Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, we talk about the Blackhawks' return from the All-Star and bi-week breaks, who is stepping up of late as the Blackhawks continue to surge in the standings and the upcoming Western Canada swing, as well as the next three weeks leading up to the trade deadline. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Hey, Blackhawks fans, your local Chevy dealers have a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you. Take your best shot to win the 2020 Chicago Blackhawks Custom Blazer. It's a -a one-of-a-kind performance machine with its custom Blackhawks leather interior and Chicago Skyline grill. You can't win if you don't enter, so go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and register right now. You must be 18 years or older to enter. Someone's got to win, so it might as well be you. Go for it. Drive what Kane and Taze drive. Welcome into Blackhawks Insider. Back after uh, a little bi-week absence, Carter Baum joined by Adam Burrish and Chris Cook and uh, decided to... We were planning on doing a podcast last week, but... With not a whole lot of action going on, yeah. uh, our friend Adam Burrish was feeling a little under the weather. Uh, Better now, you know. So we decided to go ahead and take full advantage of the bye week. Uh, not a lot happening, but the Blackhawks are back in action. A ten day break between games, uh, two game road trip. They just wrapped up in Phoenix, and then uh, on Tuesday night in Minneapolis or St. Paul, I should say, against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I would say Chris Cook start taking some emergency or you know you know make sure you you take care of yourself because two-thirds of the podcast has gone down in the last few yeah. weeks and we don't need the the third leg of the tripod going i out. think we know who the real athlete is in this group yeah. right all that training chris yeah that's yeah. right yeah Staying i've strong. killed a lot of uh things in my body that yeah. uh, fights this stuff <laughs> yeah. off so we're, we're all set well the blackhawks came back from the break with uh, a 3-2 shootout win in Arizona on Saturday night, a 3-2 overtime loss to the Minnesota Wild on Tuesday night. Uh, a couple games where not a full stretch of uh, 60 minutes played. The, the game on Saturday was very encouraging. You get out to a 2-0 lead coming off a 10-day break. The guys were firing. Uh, it was a back-and-forth game, I think one of the most exciting games all season. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get Brandon Saad, scores both goals. You get amazing shootout goals from Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves just – uh, undressing um, the Arizona netminder. And it's just kind of, it was a fun game to watch on Saturday night uh, from a fan perspective, even from a player perspective. The guys were talking after the game that it was, uh, it was a fun game to be a part of. How about that overtime, right? Yeah, I mean, that that's was what awesome. NHL overtime's all about. You know, I think that's something that we can, I'm sure we'll talk about the, uh, the wild game as well, but Corey Crawford just, I thought, Ooh. came in and really, after a long break like that and having not played a ton of games even before that for him as he split time with Robin Leonard, was really on top of his game. And I think as we go forward here, it's going to be the play of Corey Crawford, uh, who's also going to face uh, tonight against the Bruins, or I'm sorry, uh, Leonard's going to be tonight against the Bruins. But those two guys are, are really going to be the, the guys who the Blackhawks are going to have to depend on because some nights you're not going to have it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw that they played very well against the Coyotes, although it was, you know, it was kind of a track meet there. 
but then they come up against the Wild, and the first two periods they're not on their game, yet Corey Crawford keeps them in it. So no matter what happens, if you can get the solid goaltending between those two guys for the rest of the season, you're going to be right in the thick of things. Yeah, it's kind of funny as an ex-player now, um, you, there's times where you feel like, gosh, if I was a gambler and I was a better, I could look at the schedule and you can pick games where you kind of, uh, this one's going to be tough yeah. for the guys. They're going to have a tough time getting energy up for this game. And the wild game last night was one of those. And, and coming off a 10 day break, I said this before the Arizona game, I said, I think they're going to be fine tonight. And people are, you know, friends of mine are like, geez, this one could be tough. You haven't played in 10 days. Arizona's had two games already. They're going to, I said, no, I think the, generally as a player, you come off that break, you're excited to be back. You had a great break. Guys go to the Bahamas or to Mexico and you feel good. You're with your family and your kids. And then you're kind of anxious to get back and you want to see your buddies again. You want to get back to playing hockey and um, you're in Arizona where it's sunny. I think their guys would feel good, and they did. And you almost run on adrenaline a little bit. And 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 I think Jeremy did a great job of getting the guys ready. They said they had a hard practice the day before. So you get back up to speed. The game was great. It was back and forth. Corey Crawford, I always like to hear what the goalie said right away after. He said, man, that was a fast game. He yeah. goes, that was fast. So guess what happens then, though, is you wake up the next day and your body feels like crap. You're like, oh, man, I'm, I was an NHL hockey game last night. My hips are sore. My back's a little stiff. Um, my, my quads feel like they just exploded last night from all the lactic acid. And for the Blackhawks, Sunday was an off day. And they, they watched the Super Bowl. They went to the golf tournament, some guys. And you kind of eat like crap again. You're, not, you're, you're just chilling out and you're relaxing. And then all of a sudden, Monday, it's back to work again. Now you got to travel to Minnesota. You put your gear back on. You, you practice. You go to bed. And it's just you're like, oh, gosh, now I'm kind of back in it. All right, now I'm a little tired again. And that's what you saw in that Minnesota game. They were not ready to start that game. They looked sluggish. They looked slow for two periods. The third period, Jeremy did a nice job, made some lineup changes, woke them up a little bit. Um, and I think they're fortunate to get a point. They could have got spanked in that Minnesota game. But it, when, when you look at the schedule, you can always find some games when a stretch like this where you're like, oh, this one's going to be tough for the guys. And that's what we saw in Minnesota. It was very interesting you know, being in the locker room after the game last night and kind of just taking a read on the room because after some of these games we've seen this season where they give up a big lead, it's kind of like, oh, you know, we had that one. We we had it ready to go. But after the game last night, everyone was like, hey, we got a point. Yeah. And we're very happy about that point. It was, I think, like you said, they all realized they didn't have a good start. They Jeremy Colton said it was probably the worst they've played in probably. quite some time. Yeah. But the fact that they were able to fight back into it, get a point out of it, a crucial point at this time of the year, everything matters. Uh, you know, it's it's a different, I guess, change in attitude about the group. They're feeling more confident in themselves already, so they're okay with, hey, you know, we had a bad period, but we were still able to get a point. You can take the glass half full aspect of that, as opposed to if you're not playing well and it's, we had those two points and we just let the second one slip. You know, you, you've gone now points in seven of your last eight games you can afford to you know maybe not have a period there uh and still fight back to get one and, and feel pretty good about it as long as you continue that going into tonight's game against boston yeah i thought that was interesting jeremy Carlton said it's like uh yeah you know that's a good point you know getting a game that we didn't play very well in if we come back and follow it up with a good game against the Bruins. If you don't, now you're looking at two consecutive losses and you're going on this long road trip. So the, the game against the Bruins is pretty critical. I mean, you look at the schedule now, Burr, and there's not one in the game where you go, oh, they, they can afford to lose yeah. that one. I mean, I'm that guy. I don't know if you guys are, but I'm that guy every night after, you know, late at night, I call up the app and I look at the standings and yeah. I go, okay, here's where they are. Here's what they need to do. Yeah. Here's who's playing tomorrow. Here's what the Hawks want to happen in those games. So every game is critical. Every point is critical. So, yeah, while it was – Great to get that point 
against the wild. It's what you do now heading into this long road trip that's really going to determine your fate. Yeah, before they rattled off seven of eight, I think the, the kind of the, the number that everybody had predicted was they would have to go a little better than two out of every three, a little better than 66% win percentage um, is the number was. Now they rattle off six of eight. It's probably two out of three now still. Um, but it's a manageable number, and, and I'm with you, Chris. I, I sit there and I, pu- I pull up the standings on the app, and uh, it, we're going to go crazy doing yeah. that. We, we, yeah. You know that down the stretch here, which is fun. I, I, two months ago, I don't think we could have probably said that. We didn't. I don't think we saw seven of eight coming, and and it's exciting again now. Now they're in this hunt. The guys, like you said, Carter, after the game, they don't play well, but they're not hanging their heads because hey, we found a way to get a point. Uh, two months ago, we we probably would have lost that game four zero with the confidence that they had. They weren't feeling so good. That was a game last night that they they had no business getting a point in that game. That's that's the truth of the matter. They weren't very good. They were sluggish. They were slow, but they hung in there. And Jeremy's been preaching this patience and playing a patient game. They don't. From the back end, they don't have the run and gun guys. Offensively, they've you know they don't have six guys that are going to score twenty five goals this year. So they've got to kind of do it as a committee, and you got to play a patient game, and you can't turn pucks over. You got some young defensemen. In the last month, that's what they've done. They've they've done exactly what Jeremy's talked about, and that's why they were able to hang in that game last night and and sneak a point out. You mentioned the last two months. It's been exactly two months since the last time they faced the Bruins. So since that game, which they won, right? Which they won yep. in overtime. Uh, a game they were up 3 nothing, let the Bruins yeah. in back late, one of the best teams in the league at that point. They take an overtime win, and I think even that game was one of those, like, that was kind of a, we shouldn't have let them back in that yeah. game. They felt disappointed about yep. letting Minnesota back in that game, which is you know, something we just touched on. But since that game two months ago, they're 14-9-2, which is good, you know, a little off the two out of every three pace. But when you factor in what the last month has been like, with, like I said, points in six of eight. You go six, one, and one in your last eight games, uh, dating back to before the All-Star break. Things are starting to really come around. Now you're three points out of a wild card spot. You've got Arizona holding the first wild card spot, Calgary right behind them. Uh, I think Arizona's four points up now. But you have games in hand over them. You have games coming up against, you have two games next week against Winnipeg, who is dead even with you in the central and wild card standings there. You have games against Calgary and Edmonton who are kind of attainable in that uh, in that wild card chase with the Pacific just completely up for grabs. The, I think the entire division separated by like just a point or something. Not quite, but uh, that race is ridiculous. You're right there in it. You control your own destiny if you can keep going. And like we mentioned, that starts tonight against Boston coming out, taking that play from the third period, and playing with it from the opening puck drop back at the United Center. You know, one team I look at that, you know, I always, you have to, when I go to the stands, I'm like, okay, well, if the Blackhawks are going to get in, who's going to come out? Yeah. And so there's got to be at least one team, right? The Nashville Predators are coming, and they're looking really good. So that's a team you need to keep an eye on. I think they've got a game in hand on the Blackhawks. So um, look out for those guys. So it's not just the guys right in front of you, but it's the guys yeah. also chasing the Jets, you know, maybe don't really have their act together as much, but they're right there as well. If they win, you know, they beat the Blackhawks twice next week or so, it's a problem. So every game is critical. But, Burr, one thing I, I look at, you know, we look at the schedule, it's like, boy, they're on the road here. That's tough. But we've talked about, we've documented in this on this show that they're really good on the road. Yeah. But to me, when I watch this team on the road, when you get down a goal or two, they're, they're still in it, yep. right? Usually you go on the road and you lose, you get yep. that first goal against you, you go, oh, boy, it's deflating. Yep. When I see them go down a goal or two goals, this team's got the confidence to come back. And I think that it really shows the character, the leadership of the group, um, you know, because – in the past, right, the past couple of seasons, they get it down a goal or two on the on the road, and that's it. Yeah, it it feels like 
um, when they're on the road and they get down a goal or two, they, they keep playing the same way. And mm-hmm. then if you watch at home, uh, it feels like they get down a goal and you get, I, I'll point at the defense again, you get some young defensemen that think they've got to make plays and they think they've got to make a, a big play at home and, and get the crowd back into it. And um, it's, it's clearly out of their scope of work, some of these young guys. Where on the road, they just they keep chipping pucks out. They take a few icings. They slow the game down. They play that patient game. Um, we're on at home sometimes, I think with a young team and a team that doesn't have a lot of confidence at times, you, you try and show off a little bit. Mm-hmm. You try and make that beautiful play up the middle or make an extra pass when it, you might need just to punt the puck and, and flip it out of the zone and live another day. And that's the two difference. Yeah. I, I see them play differently on the road and that's why they're having more success in the road. Cause it's a simpler game. And that's this team's kind of formula is especially defensively play a real simple game and, and don't hurt yourself. You, you look back at the Minnesota game and, um, it was the, the first goal to Minnesota. It was three mistakes in a row in the D zone. It was a, it was a poor play by Bolquist up the wall, kind of passed his problem onto Kajula, who wasn't able to handle the puck on the wall, let the puck get by him, and then Jonathan Taves kind of cheated on the wrong side. Tough angle, yeah. Yeah, so three mistakes in a row in the D zone where, you know, when they're playing simple, they just, hey, Bolquist, just flip that one out. Don't pass your problems on. Just get it out of the zone and carry on and the rest of the game after they got down 2-0 that's what we saw so I think take some of those lessons back home just a simple game you don't have to put a show on you don't have to show off listen Kane and Taves will put the show on you don't nobody else needs to worry about it those guys will do it Duncan Keith will defend like a maniac but let your superstars put the show on young defensemen just live live to fight another day you know the other thing is if they, you talk about lessons hopefully those goals that they scored against the wild are lessons right just put the puck on the net yeah I mean neither of those shots were were great nope. sc- quality scoring chances Boquist flips it in and it goes past to some traffic same thing with Mata that's yep. an angle that you don't see anybody yep. scoring from so put pucks on net Jeremy Collins been been preaching that all season long and I think when you see that happen like last night where two of them go in okay we can get some goals that way yep. and it started too with they were skating though right they were in right. a pinch situation defenseman we're told keep pucks alive, keep them in. So defensemen, they were active, and you've got some good skating defensemen on this team. Boquist can skate. You know, Gustafson can really skate. Mata, he knows how to jump up in the play on the offensive zone and keep plays alive. He's not a goal scorer or a real big shooter, but he just jumped in the play, knew he had to pinch, and he threw it on net and scored. So they started skating. They, they were on their toes a little more, and that's what got him back into it. When even that Mata goal, you know, Gustafson takes a shot from the opposite side point. I think right as the puck's coming off of his stick. Mata's jumping up, yeah. going down the boards. He knows it's going maybe a little wider than that yep. through some traffic. Yep. He knows right away he's got a chance, and that's when the goal happens. And he said afterward, you know, I was just throwing it towards the goal because we had numbers in front, yeah. even if that puck doesn't go in. And just a kind of a weird shot that rose over the shoulder of the goalie. But if that puck doesn't go in, you have players right there in front. That's how Dominic Kubelik scoring his goals. You've seen, you know, Brandon Saad driving the net, and he's getting uh, – he's got five points in five games since coming back. Uh, from his injury, uh, in in you just got to create those chances and give yourself a chance, basically. Yeah. yeah, right. And Gustafson did a nice job on that play too. Is early on in the first half of the game, a lot of no point shots were getting through, or they weren't even attempting them. Wild does a good job blocking shots, but Gustafson he shot that one three or four feet wide. That yeah. wasn't. He was shooting for a tip or a deflection, but it was not going to get blocked. He made a point, this one's getting to the goal line, and I'm going to shoot it hard, and he did, and it ends up just ricocheting around to a pinching D. So that, that's a key thing for this Blackhawks team if they want to get offense too, is that they got to get some some offense from the back end and just getting pucks through, not getting pucks blocked. We've heard the coaches say that for a couple months now, something they've been working on, and they get two goals because of it. You know, I saw another one, the, the Mata wraparound chance where he almost scored. Yeah, I thought right. it was interesting. He was, he was in deep. I don't want to get too deep into hockey acumen, but so when, when Mata's 
down behind the, the goal like that, and your other players have to cycle, right? Yep. I mean, nobody can stand around. Can you just talk a little bit about that, how it's great to be able to press the play from your back end, but there's other responsibilities there, and you've got to have good goaltending too, right? Yeah, might be coming back that's, what, that's what happened in the third when they got back in it is usually the coaches will say, defensemen, we're pinching on everything right mm-hmm. now. Pucks come up the wall, you guys got to come down. And on the flip side, forwards, that triggers that you know one guy has to cover for that defenseman. So you always have to be moving. You can't have three guys go to the net. If defensemen are going to be pinching, one of your forwards needs to come back out high and cover for him in case that puck gets by him, in case the, a, a puck jumps over his stick. So you've got to have somebody covering, but it's motion, it's skating, it's a lot more active. And for, for forwards, we love it because then that keeps pucks alive sometimes when if you're in a tie game or you're up by one defenseman, you may say, just stay back and keep everything in front of you. But then as a forward, you're like, oh, he could have got that puck. Now I got to back check all the way. But here now you're always moving and you're covering. And late in the games, if you're down one, you're going to see pinch situations where defensemen have to get up the ice. They've got to keep pucks alive. One might squeak by him, but that center iceman or that forward is going to be covering for him. So that's kind of how that rotation works. We talk about how things have been kind of trending in the right direction for this team in terms of uh, getting points and, and results on the road. Another where another place it's going in the right direction is on the injury front. You've got Brandon Saad, who's come back since the last time we recorded a show. You've got Dylan Strome making his return in Arizona. You're starting to get healthy. You got Drake Kajula back uh, just before the break as well. You're you're starting to get some of these guys back, some of your regular faces. This is a team that was playing well with those guys out of the lineup. Now you're at you add in some of your top six regulars, usually top six regulars, and it's just the the right formula seems to be coming around. If they can figure figure out the line combinations, a little bit tweaking late in Minnesota and Jeremy saying more to kind of get away from some matchups, but you, you find the right combinations now that you have almost your full acumen of players. And this team is going to be exactly kind of what we hope to see coming out of the gate in October. Well, you need to roll four lines, which yeah. Jeremy Calton wasn't able to do for much of the season because of the injuries. That's really important. I mean, it's great when Patrick Kane's out there and Jonathan Taze is out there, but they can't score all the goals and they can't be out there the whole time. So to have these guys back, it just kind of, Provides depth throughout the lineup, which I think is important because you don't mind throwing out your fourth line out yeah. there because there's a chance to score. You know, Camp is a guy who can put the puck in the net if he has to. So there's an ability there to get scoring across the board there, not play your guys, you know, 30 minutes a night and, yeah. and have them gas. So really important to bring those guys back. And I, I think that the bye week did great just for uh, not only Strom to come back, but for Saad to come back fully again as well. Yeah, and, and keep in mind too, it's you're saying that, Carter, but – their power play has been terrible. Yeah, that's what it, it's just been bad. Um, and Alex Debrinket can't hit, can't find the net right now. So you've got a lot of good, great stuff going on. You're still waiting for these two pieces. Those two pieces fall into place. Now getting two out of three, it, it, that's very realistic now coming mm-hmm. down the stretch here with the way this team's playing. So you just hope that something can click for Debrinket. He's a streaky player. Goal scorers are streaky. I mean, look back at his 40-goal season. He did have stretches where he'd go 10 games and he'd be quiet, and that's a lot of times what you get with goal scorers. When they get hot, they get feeling good, watch out. But when they get cold, they can get really cold. Um, and, he, you know, they've been saying his chances are he's, – he's not getting as many chances right. right now, if I'm being honest, but I think that comes. And that, I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of goal scorers go through that, so that's why it doesn't worry me so much. But think about if he gets hot again and this power play can start getting something going – um, there's a lot more pieces. The injuries are back. They're, they're back to almost full strength minus Shaw. Now you get a power play going. Now you're really dangerous. Are you? Uh, I'm sorry, Carter. Are you seeing anything in Debrickett's game that 
is different from what he was doing other than puck not going to the net. But because you do hear this a lot, it's like, oh, he's getting chances. He's just missing the net or he's hitting posts. But you're right. He's not getting the chances, the quality chances he had last year. And he's certainly not finishing. Are you seeing something different in this game? Confidence. He, d- he doesn't look confident in the way he's shooting the puck. And there's been times when uh, he's had pucks in certain areas where he just he shoots them when other times he just hold it for a second and make the right play. Kind of like, you know, he spent a lot of time with Kane working in the summer and um, there's times when he just grabs it and he flings it at the net and it misses the net or times when he's had opportunities to shoot it and he, and he shoots it you know, high and wide and misses the net by, a, by quite a bit and areas when he's in front where usually he buries them. I also see, though, I think back to the Arizona game, he had a great backdoor chance. Uh, uh, Kirby Doc made a great backhand, no-look pass, and it goes right on his tape. He put the puck in a great spot. Alex, he roofed it short side, put it where it, the only spot he could get, and the goaltender made a great save. He read it and he kind of... They showed him on the bench, and I could almost read his, what he was saying, and he was like, I don't know what i got to do there. I mean, I put that in a perfect – and it was a good save. Tip your cap. Um, but he's pressing a little bit, and he doesn't say it, and the coaches won't say it. He's, he's carried himself well, but he just doesn't look as confident right now. So and, how do you get out of that? And that's why well, you find a way to score a goal. Right. I mean, that, that's it. I mean, he's just got to – and it'll happen. He's in the situation. Jeremy keeps putting him on the power play. A puck will find him in the right spot, and just that one goal will flip it all. But – when you're in this hole, it's hard to find that one goal, and that's really the only way. How do you find it? Well, you got to find a way to score a goal, but um, and then keep talking to yourself and giving yourself confidence. But certainly, this is this has been hard on his confidence. You can tell. And it would be really disastrous for the Blackhawks if Demirko was going through this and other guys didn't come through. But then you got and Kirby Doc has been excellent. Yep, uh, four last, game point streak for him. Yeah, I mean he's been really good the last month or so. Really see the confidence building. And then Kubalik, we've talked about him at length. Without those two guys coming on, then Debrinket's problems and his deficiencies would be that much more in the spotlight. But yep. you've got guys who are, fill, are stepping up and filling in. But yep. if you're going to go win two out of three the rest of the way, you need Debrinket, you need Doc, you need Kubalik, you need Camp, you, you need, need all those yeah. guys. Yeah, and and I think you know, I, I Debrinket will. I mean, you yeah. don't score forty. 30 some and then 41 goals or what he whatever he had if it's it doesn't go away it doesn't go away that fast so it, it'll come back it's streaky and I, I think he's going to I think he will go on a big run at some point he just needs one you just got to get one another guy that has really stepped up in the last month or so uh, we talked about Olimata but his play has come back due in large part because of his defensive partner Slater Cuckoo's got nine straight games in, of ice time now the longest stretch of the season he's had, he's by and large was the seventh defenseman for much of the year. He's got some confidence back, and those two are really just complementing each other on that third pairing and uh, almost seems to be the right fit that Jeremy Colton's been looking for with these defensive pairings almost all season long. Yeah, Cuckoo playing as offside too. Yeah. I think it's important for him to be able to make that adjustment and to play it as well has really been key. Guys that... Just for you know, defense when you say playing on the offside. Uh, well, you're professional hockey players. It can't be that hard. It's different, and you're yeah. catching pucks on your backhand. You're always facing the wrong way, and what that does is you open yourself up for more hits on the forecheck because you've got to turn your whole body to make that play. And um, Nick Jarmelson loved it. He was a guy that liked playing on his offside because he liked to get hit. He would say yeah. some guys are psychos and they just like to get hit. And and Slater Cuckoo is a guy that he likes to he likes the gritty game. He likes to kind of get in the middle of it and. About a month ago, I was with uh, I was Duncan Keith. I was talking with him, and this was before. Remember, Slater Cuckoo was scratched for like a million games to start the season, and we were just talking hockey and about guys in the team. And I said, Dunks, I said, what's up with this Cuckoo guy? Tell me about Slater Cuckoo. What do you think of this? He goes, I love the kid. He goes, he, I love the way he plays. He goes, he'll get back in the lineup soon. That was when Gilbert was playing so well here, so they had no spot for him. But he goes, when he gets back in there, he goes. I love the way he plays. And I said, why? He goes, he's always in the fight. 
He goes, he's always in it. He's always just, you know, he's in front of the net. He's sticking somebody. He's pushing back. He's hitting guys in the corner. He's cross-checking guys. He goes, I love the way he plays. He goes, he's going to help us. He's going to help us. And sure enough, now, like Jeremy said, he goes, I can't take him out of the lineup now. Yeah, the cuckoo in there. I like Connor Murphy's been playing very well. He's you don't hear really his name good. very often, but very steady. And then Mata, we talked about coming on. You get those two guys, two veteran guys who can really rely on. We know about Duncan Keith. You know, we know about what Boquist is doing. But those two veteran guys with Cuckoo and others – can really make a difference here. And uh, I look at Murphy, I look at Mata, I look at what Duncan's doing, I look at Boquist. That's pretty. That's four solid defensemen plus Cuckoo and others, and that's got to be encouraging if you're Blackhawks. Simple game. They're playing simple. Yeah. You just, like, by saying, I haven't, you, you don't hear Murphy's name a lot, that's great. Yeah. You know, good. He, I, if you watch the game closely and you just watch him, you'll notice the little plays that he makes, the little, the, when he finishes some hits and he makes some big hits or he squeezes a guy off, he takes away space down low. When you watch him closely, you're like, God, I wouldn't want to play against that guy right now, the way he's playing in a big body. So he's doing a nice job too. Bert, I want to get your thoughts because talking about Cuckoo, what kind of mental fortitude does it take to be a healthy scratch night after night after night? Looking at it from November 3rd until January 7th, over two months, he played in, looks like nine games Yeah, over a stretch where the Blackhawks looked, played probably 30 odd games. Yeah. Just what does it take to kind of stick with it and keep showing up day in and day out and, and being a good teammate, just being around the group, and then when you get that opportunity, jumping on it? Yeah, there's there's two parts that are really, really hard about that. And the first part is just not playing and what, what you know what, how that makes you feel. You feel like you're not a part of the team sometimes. Um, then what people don't get to see is once practice is done, just about every day, because you didn't play last night, practice is done. Everybody gets off the ice, and the coach keeps the two or three guys that didn't play that night, and then you get bag skated, and that sucks. And the coaches have to do it, and the coaches know you don't want to do it, but you got to do extra conditioning work on the ice, and it's just it feels mindless at times. It feels like, God, why can't we just do some stick handling and some shooting, and instead you're skating down and back and doing laps and doing battle drills with the other guys, and it's every day of that. And then you have a morning skate the next morning, well, everybody gets off the ice and goes to lunch together. You're still on the ice for another 30 or 40 minutes doing conditioning work. And then you got to go in the gym at the game. Then you come back to the game. Guys are all on the ice playing. You got to go into the gym with the trainer and do a weightlifting workout or do some bike sprints during the first period. And so you, you just feel a little disconnected. And after, when that continues on and on and on, it's frustrating and it's hard. And then you're kind of going out there for practice. And some days you're pissed off and you're frustrated. You maybe cross check somebody. Now a guy on the team is mad at you. Like, come on, I got to play tonight. Why are you getting so mad? And you're like, hey, I'm trying to get in the lineup, man. And then you get in the lineup. The hard part with that mentally now is knowing that you've got a short leash. You know, the coaches, if you make one mess up or one screw up or cost a goal, you know you're probably coming back out of the lineup the next night. So now you got to be mentally tough saying, I just got to let this rip. I can't be doubting myself. I can't have negative thoughts. I need to make plays that are there. I need to be solid. I also need to make an impact on the game too or I might get replaced. So that those are the two things. It's, it's hard to get in and dealing with that. But then once you get in, talking yourself into really being confident and having trust in yourself and making those plays. And Slater Kukui, when he came back in the lineup, I'm sure that first game was really nerve-wracking for him, but he's kind of grabbed it, and he said, I'm going to play hard. I'm going to play my tail off. I'm going to get in people's face. He's blocking shots. I think back to that Arizona game when he dove side, kind of slid sideways and caught one off the ribs and blocked a beautiful shot. So he, he's owned it, and he's, he's made it a point now where he's going to say, Coach, you can't take me out. And Jeremy said that too. I can't take him out of the lineup right now. I just added it up. 32 games in that stretch. He played nine games, but five of those were when Duncan Keith was hurt. So he kind of got drawn into the lineup there. If not for Duncan Dunks, Keith going yeah. down, he could have probably played 
four or five games in a, right. a two-month stretch. Yep. So um, good on Slater Cuckoo for stepping up and, and kind of finding his own. And like mm-hmm. you said, uh, being you know someone you can't scratch night in and night out. Yep. Uh, he's been a big part of what the Blackhawks have done over the last month. And because he's playing so well, I want to walk through this situation. Dennis Gilbert was getting the other side of it. You know, Early in the season, Dennis Gilbert was playing so well where he couldn't come out of the lineup. Cuckoo and Gil- Gilbert now swap, and Gilbert's kind of being that seventh man. But as a guy in his second year, the Blackhawks don't want to let him sit on the bench and in the press box night in and night out. They need him playing games. So on Monday, the team puts in a waiver claim on a Minnesota defenseman who is largely has been in the same situation. Nick Sealer, he's played 99 games over the last two-plus seasons for the Wild. He played 71 games last year. He's only played in six games this season, including not playing since early December uh, this season. He's a veteran who kind of comes in, gives the Blackhawks some defensive depth with Brent Seabrook and Calvin DeHaan on the shelf for the rest of the season. You're allowed Dennis Gilbert to go back to Rockford, continue playing games, continue developing. His first game back last night, a two-point night, doubles his point total for the entire season going back to the Ice Hogs. First, I want to talk about the Gilbert component of this, and then we'll go talk about you know Sealer just a little bit. But how important is it for him to be playing night in and night out, and you know even if it is in the AHL, getting those minutes as opposed to being the guy in the press box every yeah, night? Yeah, you know I, I still think you know playing NHL games is what what matters. I I, I get going to the minors and it you know it, just me just talking here, just going to the minors and playing games, and that's good for you. I, yeah, it is. It's good to play. Obviously, sitting out's no good, but it's different, man. Playing in the in the American League to to playing here, that's why you see guys get called up a lot of times, young kids, and they're they're okay until they get you know 10, 15, 20 games to get count. It's a different game. So I get playing and conditioning, but you know if if Gilbert's going to be a regular NHL player, he's got to play NHL games. That that's that's what I think. Um, for me, that when the reason they took him out of the lineup was he had that bite and that edge, and he was in people's face, and he had a good two week stretch of doing that. Then he backed off a little bit, mm-hmm. and you just can't you can't back off a little bit. And I've been in the situation he's in, and it's hard. And now all of a sudden he's here, and then they see you pick up a guy in waivers that kind of plays like you play. Oh man, it's hard. It's brutal. And he's he's no dummy. He knows exactly what they got. He knows this player. He's looked him up. He's played against him, and so it's tough. Then you get sent down, but. What it does, and, and I and I know Gilbert, and I see the way he plays, is he knows now, well, somebody goes down, somebody gets hurt, I get called up, I'm turning that switch back on again. You're going to see that maniac that you saw the first couple weeks this season fighting in those games and getting in people's face. And, and sometimes you need that wake-up call uh, to pick up a guy on waivers, get sent down, where now you come back and you're, and you're really hungry and you're saying, I'm not letting this thing slip away again. To me, Gilbert is still developing, which is... Yeah. Fine, it's great. Yep. I, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I think he's going to be I do too. A, a really good, serviceable NHL defenseman. Uh, but he's got to pick his spots and when to be physical. He's got to be better in, uh, situationally. I, and I guess look at bringing in a guy who from from Minnesota who's got a little more experience. He's played full seasons. You know, this is big boy hockey right now. You want to develop guys, that's great. But you need to win games. You need to develop points. So while it's great that Gilbert's developing, you need a guy who can come in steady if you need him. As you mentioned, plays a very similar type of game. But Gilbert's a guy, you know, I, he, he rides the toughness, right? 
He picks about, he's also got some offensive yeah, capability. You look at his numbers the in the A, and he can he can put the puck in the net. So that's an area that he's developing still, and you can get that better probably yeah. down in the A than you can up sure. in the NHL. Yep, I'll give you that. You can you you got the puck more. You're making yeah. more plays as a defenseman. You're taking more chances. You're put you're getting in a lot more different situations where you you can handle the puck and figure out where you can cheat a little bit, make some offensive risky plays. So I, you do get that in the minors, and he'll get that. But I still think Dennis Gilbert will be an NHL defenseman. He'll be a, he'll, he's no he's a heck of a good player here, and he's got a lot. Lot more, you're right, Chris. He's got more offensive upside for a stay-at-home tough defenseman than I think people give him credit for. Or I want to get your thoughts as we talk about Nick Sealer a little more because it was a very uh, interesting situation on Monday. The Blackhawks, after Sunday's off day, they're on the plane in Arizona, getting ready to take off for Minnesota. I think literally as the plane was barreling down the runway, eleven o'clock hit, and they officially got told, you know, hey, you put in a claim on Nick Sealer, you've got him. They're taking off, going to Minnesota, where Nick Sealer is already waiting for them. They get off the plane, go straight to the arena, to the XL Energy Center. They arrive for practice. Nick Sealer is sitting there waiting for them, waiting to meet his new team. Uh, in his wild gear. In his wild gear, you know, schlepping his stuff down yeah. the hallway into the new locker room. Uh, he gets out there, skates with the team for the first time. Afterwards, gets off the ice, and the only clothes he has are wild gear because yeah. you know, the Blackhawks don't have a ton of extra gear when they travel like that. He's standing in the hallway still talking to some of the other wild personnel uh, just kind of about the situation. Wearing a wild shirt after his first practice as a Blackhawk, it, seeing it firsthand, Monday was a little bit of a bizarre situation. Have you yeah. ever seen a situation like that where you don't have to go anywhere to meet your new team. They're coming to you or you just go right across yeah, the hall. I have, no, I've never played on a team where that's happened. I've been on waivers before and I can tell you, Nick Sealer did not care one bit that he was getting sent down to that other locker room because when you're on waivers, you're just, you're, you've got 24 hours to hope somebody picks you up. And if they don't, you're going to the minors. So you sit there for that day, and I've been in the situation, and I, I wasn't as lucky as Nick. I did not get picked up on waivers, so all day you're sitting there by your phone hoping it rings, hoping somebody calls, uh, hoping your agent calls, hopefully the general manager of the team that you're on calls, and um, for him to sit there all day and then get a call is pretty darn cool. So you're like, I don't care if I'm wearing this. I'll throw all my wild stuff in the garbage. I'll run down. I'll put, just give me a towel. I'll run down to the other locker room. Um, so there was nobody happier than him, um, and so he was able to – kind of wash his hands there and be like, all right, good. I'm, I'm back in the league. I'm not going to the minors yet. So um, an exciting time for him, uh, I, I'm sure. Um, it's just kind of a funny story that happened to be the same day that the Blackhawks were coming to town. I think it's important to note that the Wild didn't want to lose him. He wasn't a guy who fell out of favor in Minnesota. It's just situationally he didn't fit in. On you know they had, they had guys playing on similar sides, and um, he lost some playing time there. Some guys were injured and came back. But he's a Minnesota kid who they really liked. I did a little research on him. I read a lot of things about him. They were they just had nothing but great things to say about this he guy. Played great, seventy-one games uh, last year. Great in the great in the dressing room. A guy who can you know protect his teammates as well. So he's a guy that you know he's not coming in as like a boy. This is a breath of fresh air. He's a guy who's established there. He's an NHL player who just didn't have an opportunity to get in the lineup, and now he comes to a team that. Maybe it's some of the situation to try to get in there, but if they have a, a spot for him, somebody gets injured, he can step right in there. He's going to provide a lot of uh, motivation. A guy who can come in hungry. Yeah, Al Stalock was the goalie for the Wild last night. 
played it, and he texted me after the game. He goes, "You got your your boys are gonna love Sealer. He goes, "He's gonna you guys are gonna love him in the locker room. Great guy, great guy. Tell him to take good care of my boy down there." So he he was he was complimentary of him also. So his teammates, I think, really enjoyed in spending time with him too. This is this overrated? I mean, is he a guy that does Jeremy Calton go to him and say, "Let's talk about systems. Let's talk about the wild systems." Is that is there any advantage to that? You always talk about a yeah. guy who can provide some inside knowledge, but when you're talking about that quick a turnaround. It wasn't like the wild could change anything. Yeah, no, I. it's a good question, Chris, and I've, I've always been surprised that it doesn't happen more, that coaches don't do that. They don't go to guys until playoffs usually is when that happens, and I've played on teams when, um, you know, I played in San Jose one year where we won the first round. We I think we swept Vancouver really quick, and the next round was going to be either against, um, I, I think it was L.A. or Chicago possibly, depending on what happened, and I sat – at that point, we had four days off, so I sat with the coaches and talked over Chicago stuff and stuff that the team did and the stuff Quinville was doing. But other regular season games and some teams in playoffs, even it doesn't happen as much. And it's not in football. I'm sure it happens, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. You got a week to prepare, but in hockey, it doesn't happen. The coaches, I don't know why, but they don't. I think it's probably because you've got so many different games and you've got to kind of focus on making corrections from your side rather than fixing stuff for one game. For and then you got to play like you know fixing stuff last night to play the wild and then you come back tonight and got to play a whole new team. I just don't think you have the hours and the day to do it, but it's an interesting question. You'd think at some point you would do that because you're going to see these guys again later on in the season, but no, it's a, it, it, I haven't seen that happen. Is there, is there a code there where you might know that, well, yeah, you know, Burrish is, his knee's been bothering, but he didn't say anything, you know, do you, do teams use that kind of stuff? Or if you're, if you're a player and a coach comes to you and says, what can you tell me about a guy's health? Do you, back off or do you say oh you no, go all in playoffs all it's all it's yeah. all in no no friends anymore if i got i'm playing against somebody i'm i'm trying to figure out what's wrong with his knees or his ankles or his wrists and we're going after him um Holding regular, the x-rays up to the yeah, leg exactly again, right? yeah exactly <laughs> texting family uh, but, members hey what's going on yeah <laughs> exactly you seen him limping around anywhere um but regular season uh not a whole lot it it, it i think it's just it's, there's too many games and they're happening too fast that you don't have time. Um, you may notice in a regular season game if a guy's got a sore wrist or something, you may give him a couple whacks off a face-off or try and go after him. But you don't see it much until playoffs. Then everything is so much more magnified because you know you've got it. You've got two weeks against this one team. But um, it's an interesting. It's an interesting um, angle to look at more regular season, but it doesn't happen as much. Well, you've got a game tonight against Boston. It's one of three home games for the entire month of February. It's the only game at the United Center for the Blackhawks in a 28-day stretch Ooh. from that Florida game just before the break to when they return for a pair of back, uh, back-to-backs in uh, a two-week time. But how important is it? You know the team's playing well on the road. We've talked about how you know they can kind of maybe come together and you know bring that mentality on the road. But how important are these three games at home to not only from a player perspective of getting a couple hours in your own house, in your own bed, but to be able to take full advantage of this home crowd and uh, use it to your full advantage. Yeah, I mean, you heard the guys um, in the last couple home games they won before the break. After the games, Kaner said at one game too, he's like, I love this support we're getting. Hang with us in here. We need you guys. And and it's true. And the guys feed off that energy here at the United Center and kind of using this crowd and, and the it, call it an intimidation factor a little bit. When young kids come in and play here, watch them during the national anthem. They're kind of swaying and looking around. Holy man, this is a tough place to play. And so the, the, the players talked about that and using this crowd and keeping them on board. And we're going to fight and get back into this. Well, they've done that. You know, they've, they've held up to their end of that agreement saying we're going to get back into 
this and fans hang with us and now they're back in it and so they want to keep this crowd excited they want to keep that momentum going here in chicago and um it is mardi gras night here at the game i got my mardi gras mug sitting it's right empty. here on the table happened? but it's yeah. empty yeah it was full i saw it was full earlier so you saw that yeah. oh man that was a good pina colada <laughs> Uh, Mardi Gras night tonight uh, as the Blackhawks face the Bruins. Um, gentlemen, the team heads on a, a just a glorious stretch through Western Canada in, in mid-February next week. Uh, the three of us will be here in uh, warm Chicago. The, we don't get to go to Winnipeg twice in Edmonton yeah. and Calgary. So I think uh, we we might have lucked out on that one, but we'll be back next week to uh, you know, kind of break down. We'll be halfway through that trip. Uh, another couple games into let's face it, a very crucial two to three weeks for the Blackhawks that are going to decide, you know, come trade deadline time, are you are you really a contender? Are you close enough where you can maybe add a piece or two? Or are you kind of falling out of the race and maybe starting to shift your eyes elsewhere? It's, it's going to be a, an interesting 20 days or so coming up. Yeah, you talk about how this road trip, you need wins and losses, but you're right, Carter. They could decide whether they're going to be buyers and sellers and really kind of alter the franchise, the direction of the franchise come trade deadline. If it doesn't go well at the start, or if it does go well, okay, let's bring in somebody else here. Let's make a run at this thing. So um, great road trip to kind of sit back and watch and see how things develop. And, you know, if you can hit March after having a, a strong road uh, presence during February, then you've got all those home games. You can settle in there and make a deep run here. So really these next couple of games, this next this road trip, I'm really going to be watching very, very interesting and see what happens. Yeah, some big decisions to be made here, yeah. and there's no secret about that. And as players, I know coaches and management will tell you, hey, you guys will determine what we do. You want to be here? Do you want to keep this team together? Do you like this team? Do you like playing together? Well, then show us. And sometimes teams use that as motivation too. And I don't think it needs to be said. I think, guys, you've got enough veteran guys here that understand that. And um, But this this road trip will be a fun one to watch. And, and I think it'll be really fun just right up until this trade deadline because there are some big decisions. And then the way the team's playing right now, though, uh, making it awfully hard on, on management here in Chicago, but that's a good problem. Well, it all starts tonight against the Bruins and then a five-game road trip through Western Canada. Gentlemen, thanks for uh, joining us. Glad to be back after, I hope, an enjoyable bye week. Well, maybe not so much for you, Burr. Uh, oh, glad sick. that you're uh, <laughs> you're feeling better. Feel great. Feel great Good to be now. back with you guys. Yeah, hey, We're great. We're doing good now. Yeah, it's a uh, game tonight. Nowhere to go but up. Uh, but thanks for being here, and uh, we'll, we'll be back at it next week. That'll do it for this week's episode. For Adam Burrish and Chris Cook, I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. <laughs>